And I look out and I see people worshiping and wow. I was thinking a few moments ago that there's an anticipation when I come down here, I meet with pastors. And of course, our first official act is to go to Saltgrass. How I many knows what I'm talking about? That's, that's a spiritual thing for us. But we talk and we communicate, and pretty soon as he talks about revival, I find myself just jerking and the Holy Ghost coming on me. And it's hard to eat a T-bone when you're doing that. How I many knows what I'm saying? That doesn't happen in most of my meetings with preachers. I don't minimize those meetings, but there's more than fellowship here. There's a deep, deep longing for God. We're on the same page. And he ministers to me, and he builds me up, and I think, wow, this is awesome, Lord, to come down here and to meet a man that hasn't given up on revival, and then on top of that, to come here in the evening and meet a group of people that's like pastor-like people. You haven't given up on a real move of God. And to feel what's in this house, I stood there a few moments ago thinking how privileged I am to have a place to come and soak in the glory. I can't go to Brownsville anymore, but I can come down here to Garland, Texas, River of Life, and soak in the glory of the Lord. I, sometimes I, you know, you may not even know what you have until, but I don't even want to say that. Don't ever lose this. Whatever you have to do, protect it. And if you've got to run devils out, you do that. But you just protect what God is doing. Because I'm telling you, there's, there's a presence in this house that is so supernatural. It just, there's times I want to I call my wife in the middle of the worship. And I want to hold the phone up. And just hopefully that what's here will jump on her up there. Now that's how much I think of what's going on here in this place. Wow, I just can't get over it. Would you do something with me that I do at most churches, but you do it here all the time, but would you just throw your hands up like it's a holdup and praise Jesus for the anointing in this house? Come on, lift your voice and praise God for the anointing in this house. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, we don't take it for granted, Lord. We love you so much. We love you so much, Jesus. You're worthy of all honor, glory, and praise. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory. Well, I've come down here to see Emberly. Dean, Dominic, Jackson, Alexa. First time I think I've met her. But wow, what a thrill. The children of revival. Everybody say the children of revival. Because I was your age. And by the way, mom, dad, it's good to see you too. But I was your age when God touched me and torched me. And so when I see them with their hands up and I see grandma grabbing those boys and I'm thinking, wow, there's nothing quite like that because... This is a wonderful, tender age. It began with me age seven. I was called to preach at age seven. I asked my dad, can a little boy be a preacher? He said, son, just obey God. And then me and my brothers, 10, 10 in the family, never had a television until we was 13 or 14. Probably been better if we never had one. But anyway, 
we would go in the backyard after we came home the next days, and we would have church. They called it playing church, but we had church. And we would preach what Dad had preached, and we would worship, we'd praise God, and we would shout. Back in the day, it wasn't falling that was the big deal. It was shouting. And so we would praise and worship until we would shout. You didn't want to fall on that backyard. It was just rocks and dirt and everything else. And so, but we had a wonderful time. And the boys, we would fight over who was going to get to preach. Nobody wanted to be a deacon. Everybody wanted to be a preacher. I was the oldest. I won the fight. But they split the church and started three churches in the backyard. How I many of that sounds like the rest of us doesn't? But because I was the oldest, I was the superintendent. I took their credentials. You hate to do that, but sometimes you got to do that. And while we laugh at this, an older gentleman, I understand. Here we are. There's uh, me and my brothers and my sisters and neighbor kids, and we're just praising God and worshiping and preaching. And I've learned this. It's almost impossible to baptize a cat. How many of you can't baptize cats? Maybe a dog, but not a cat. But anyway... I remember the older gentleman that would come out, and he would sit on the back porch, and he would listen to us. We never paid attention to him. He would just sit there, sometimes for hours. He never darkened the church door in his life, as far as we know. He came down to death's door, getting ready to cross over. My dad went to witness to him. He said, Reverend, when your boys were having church in the backyard, I received Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. So never... I'm telling you, never minimize what's going on in these little hearts and lives. And I'm going to lay hands on every one of you. I've got children of revival in Kansas City. We've been with Ralph Casebolt. He sends greetings. We just did a, a, a Zoom meeting with him a couple of days ago, his people. But there's about 15 to 20 children of revival. And we have Holy Ghost revival with them because I was that age when God touched me. And I believe God's got something so powerful these young guys and gals. Now, I don't have a sermon, but I have a message. How many knows it's better to have a message? I know how to preach. I memorize books of the Bible. There's a lot of things, but when God starts dealing with you back in Missouri about what you need to bring here, how many knows it's pretty serious? So if God were here, literally, you could see him visibly, touch him tangibly, hear him audibly. You would hear what you're going to hear tonight, tomorrow night. Because I've come as the delivery boy with a message from God. How many wants to hear from God? Because he is here tonight. You may not see him visibly, but he is here tonight. Have no fear. God is here. It's been recently that God gave me the word, Satan's worst nightmare. I preached it first. Prepare the way ministries with Pastor Ralph Casebolt. And then I preached it the other day for John Kilpatrick. Hadn't, hadn't been there in a while. So I forget how many thousands via the internet, and uh, how many hundreds were there that night, but <clears throat> that day. But there are eight things that makes the devil shake and shudder in sheer shock. Now, this is a day of fear. Luke 21 says, men's hearts shall fail them. We know the panic is satanic. We know the pandemic is a supernatural disease that has a spirit of fear with it. So we know the spirit of fear is the spirit of the age. But tonight we're going to turn the table and turn the tide on the devil. Let's scare him. Let's make him shake and shudder and sheer shock. 
Now, the reason I'm preaching this here is because all eight of these things, you and your pastor honor highly. <clears throat> and because you honor these things, God's going to honor you. He is honoring you. He's doing something so powerful. But as you collect your thoughts and look this direction, when the group of people got together, commissioned by politicians to find the safest place in case of nuclear holocaust, in case of terrorist attacks, earthquakes, and all the things that are going on today, a whole lot of shaking going on, find the safest place. And they came back after a great study and said there is none. Well, they didn't find what we found. How many of us, we found a hiding place, and we found an abiding place, and we found an exciting place. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. Everybody say, I'm saved, and I know that I am. Now listen very carefully, because right now we need a safe place. We need a safe room. We need a place we can run to. And the honor that you give to that name, I've noticed that. The reverential honor that you give to the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now, Adonai, El Shaddai, Elohim, Makadesh, El Shanan, Nisi. Thinking of Rafika, Rahi, Shalom, Shammah, Sidkanu. And the honor you give to that name as we worship him. The Bible says if you come in that name, he's there. We've come in the name of Jesus. Right now, you are in the imperial presence of royalty before the immortal tribunal of glory. Jesus is in the house. God told Bobby Connor, said, my people don't want to meet with me. They don't want to pray. Tell them and approach them this way. When you meet with God, you have a meeting and an audience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many of those prayer? It's not dull and gory. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's not drudgery. It's a privilege to be in the presence of God. The name of the Lord is our safe place. You know his name means salvation, Yeshua HaMashiach. He is our salvation. And those security that people are looking for today in things and thrills and theories, positions, possessions, affluence, influence, status, stature, and money, this, that, and the other, going here and there, Beer bus, pot parties, drugs, and false comforts. The things they're looking for, we have. Now, the thing that I've noticed is you don't take it for granted. You're just as excited about Jesus as you was the day you first met him. He doesn't get old. How many of he's ever new and true? Would you lift your hands and just say, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. Come on, just brag on him. I dare you to brag on him for about 30 seconds. Just brag on him for 30 seconds. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Because when you're infatuated and thrall with the name of Jesus, you make the devil shake and shudder in sheer shock. He trembles in his boots at the name of Jesus. It's not your name. It's not the name of Assembly of God, Baptist, or other denominations. It's not the name of some flashing, flamboyant, super-duper, Houdini preacher, it's the mighty name of the mighty Jesus of Nazareth, God's Son, our Savior, the Son of God. Through the virgin birth, they came the Son of Man. The sons of men, the new birth, might become the sons of God. Jesus Christ left the ivory palaces of glory, took the tremendous dive from top to bottom, lived a sinless life, died ignominious death. He lived, loved, labored, died, arose, ascended. 
Good news. He lives, loves, saves, cares, feels, and he's a coming again. How many believe our Lord is coming back to earth again? Come on, let Jesus know that we love him. Let him know that we love him. Hallelujah. Satan is afraid of that name. You hide in that name. You whisper that name. He says, you lay hands on the sick, and in my name, in, my, in his name, they recover. And so the power of his name, as we gather around that name, Jesus. Nobody can say Jesus like Steve Hill. Everybody say Jesus. I say it, and I feel the throes and the throbbing pathros of another world as the presence of God honors. Angels above bow in love. Demons below tremble and know. And tonight, Satan is shaking and shuddering in sheer shock at the name of Jesus. Now, I know most of you by name. And I look at you, and I remember you. And to see you on fire for God thrills me. But the other day when I was preaching to thousands, I made this statement. I don't know all of you, but I want to get to know you, so I want you to cooperate with me on the count of three. Shout your name at me. <clears throat> and they did. I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. Even though I know you and know your name, I really want to make sure that I don't mistake you for somebody else. So on the count of three, I really want to get to know you now. So on the count of three, shout your name real loud so I can know you. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm more confused than I was before. I, I don't know you. I can't make it out. It brings confusion. So it does when we shout our name or we shout the name of our church or we shout our beliefs or our philosophy, this, that. No, no, no. I tell you, I got a better idea. On the, na- on the shout of three, I, on the count of three, I want you to shout the name above every name. On the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. One more time. Now I know who you are. You're my brother. You're my sister. God is our father. The Holy Ghost is our comforter. And we and the devil ain't no kin whatsoever. How many knows the name of Jesus brings us together in power and anointing and purpose and puts the devil on the run. Come on, shout the name of Jesus. The second thing that makes the devil shake and shudder and sheer shock, you want to scare the devil? Do you really want to scare him? Everybody say, the blood of Jesus. Everybody say, I need the blood. I plead the blood. I heed the blood. And from the start of this service to the finish of the service, I've never seen a church honor the blood of Jesus. With the songs sung, with the communion, every service, I mean, in bygone days of yesteryear, it was maybe once every three months or once every six months or twice a year or maybe, maybe. I remember the day that I was so hungry, 10 kids in the family, and I was hungry. And I was looking for something, getting ready for Sunday night service, and I walked in there, and Mom had something up there, and I thought, boy, I would just begin to eat it all. She walked in and said, who ate the communion bread? Amen. How many of those I got in trouble? When you're hungry, it tastes pretty good. But the honor, everybody say the honor. When you honor the name of Jesus, when you honor the blood of Jesus, listen from Adam to Calvary, because we've been accused of preaching a bloody gospel. I proudly plead guilty to the charge. From Adam, you cut that book anywhere, it'll bleed. I said, you cut that Bible anywhere, it will bleed. From Adam to Calvary, turtle doves and bullocks and goats and lambs and pigeons. And I want you to think about that, because this is a bloody gospel, if you will. We've been abused of preaching a bloody gospel. Somebody said four billion gallons of blood, lambs from, from 
Mount Sinai to Calvary, a billion lambs, four gallons in each lamb. Think about it. And all that blood could never really suffice. It could never really sustain. It was only a temporary appeasement. Seemed like right after the high priest went to the Holy of Holies, within a matter of hours, they were back in sin again. But at Calvary, everybody say at Calvary, on a hill, ladies and gentlemen, Golgotha's brow, that river stopped, and tonight there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged in that flood, lose all their guilty stain. I plead the blood of Jesus, and the devil is running. I said, the devil is running. Come on, give God a thunder ovation. Hallelujah. The blood of Jesus. Everybody said prayer. Say prayer. There's iPad, there's iPod, there's iPray. Come on, shout amen, somebody. The real wireless connection. Come on, shout amen, somebody. And this shall be called the house of? The house of? And the emphasis you place on that makes me very comfortable. It makes Christ comfortable. And the presence gets stronger because of prayer. The greatest power in this world is not mystic cosmic psyche. Power, political power, military power, monetary power, willpower, black power, white power, pucker power. Come on, shout him in somebody. The greatest power is the power of God's people under the blood, standing in the name of Jesus and saying, devil, get back, get down, get off, get out of here. You can't have my kids. You cannot have my grandkids. And by the grace of God, my home is going to heaven with me. We're going to make it, take it, live it, give it, know it. Come on, give God thunder salvation. The power of prayer. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Look at me. It was the country church by the side of the road. 25 people, 12 of them, my family. It was dark. There was no curtains on the windows. They told me there was panthers in those woods and wolves, and you could hear the howling at night. But there was the blood, there was the word, and there was prayer. And then one day, one night, Word came, a man got mad. He's going to kill my dad. My dad loved God. Like, I love the honor the pastor gives his father. Mom and dad, boy, I love that honor. The honor that's in this house is you honor the blood and the word and the name of Jesus and prayer. And mom gathered us around like a hen would gather the brood. And all I knew, somebody going to kill dad? A little boy. Kind of scared me. And so she began to plead the blood of Jesus. What's that she's saying? Blood, blood. And then she began to say, in the name of Jesus. And she began to pray and plead the blood of Jesus. And then after service, we get in the car. It's dark. Several miles away from the city, no street lights there. And Dad in the station wagon with all the Davis brood heads down the road. He's driving slow. And sure enough, that man jumps out in the front of him. And Dad stops the car. I said, don't stop. Run him over. Hit him. But Dad stopped the car. And Dad got out, and that man ran up and grabbed him and began to hug him and say, Preacher, I don't know what happened to me. He said, I was mad, and I wanted to whoop you. Then I wanted to kill you. But I was walking down here. And something happened because there's a ball of fire came out of heaven. And God spoke to me and said, you're wrong, and he's right. You need to repent tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, as a young boy, I knew there was power in the blood of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. 
There was power in it. Come on, give God a thunder salvation and praise. Don't you give it back up, let up, or shut up. You keep on praying. Keep on plowing that gospel plow. Abraham prayed God spared Lot. Jacob prayed, was changed from a swindler to a prince. Moses prayed God part of the Red Sea. Elijah prayed, thunderous fire fell. 63-year-old prayer, and the people fell. Hannah prayed, Samuel was born. Hezekiah prayed, received a 15-year extension. Daniel prayed, the lions got lockjaw. Jonah prayed, he walked out singing, you can't keep a good man down. How many knows he sang that song? Jesus prayed, walked on the water and raised the dead. 120 prayed, the master's mighty mantle condescended, and the river of life was birthed on the day of Pentecost, the grand opening of the church. Paul and Silas, you talk about Philippian, you talk about jailhouse rock, Elvis didn't start that. They prayed until they praised and prayed until that jail began to shake and God saved the jailer and his family. Azusa prayed and the Pentecostals are still coming. Amen. Pensacola prayed for two years and we're still alive and vibrant and that revival is out here. It's in pockets in a mutated form, but I found it. It's right here in Garland, Texas. Amen. In Jesus' name. And it's going to get bigger and greater and spread and keep on spreading until Jesus comes. Come on, give God a thunder salvation. There's power in prayer. Woo, Jesus. My God. And then, are you ready? It makes the devil shake and shudder in sheer shock when you say in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus, and you begin to praise God. Also, praise and worship. Wow. And I drive down here just to hear you lead in praise and worship. The touch of God that's on you is going to transfer to little Emberly. And that other little girl that's coming on. I'm not going to quote her name, but you know what it is, don't you? I'm telling you right now, that's exciting. The generational blessing. Praise and worship. Why does the devil hate that? It makes him mad. It was Danville, Virginia, years ago as a boy preacher. In those days, I would quote a book of the Bible or a chapter or two, three chapters. My whole goal was to memorize all the Bible. And I would quote the Bible. At the end of the service, a man came to me. He said, I used to be demon-possessed. He said, I could come to church, and he said, I could endure everything in that service except one thing, praise and worship. He said, when the praise and worship got in full swing, he said, I would get so mad. I couldn't take it. And he said, God, deliver me from demon possession, but the devil in me hated praise and worship. Why does the devil hate praise and worship? Why? Because this was his job. He was the worship leader, if you will, in the hallowed halls of heaven, the azure halls of glory. He determined he'd rather rule in hell than serve in heaven. God gave him his walking papers. He said, I'll shut down the worship. He took a third choir with him. And then he came down here. He said, there'll be no worship and praise down here. There is a vacuum. Where's the minister of music, the minister of worship? Three archangels, if you will. Let me use my imagination. It's sanctified. You've got Gabriel, the witnessing angel. Every great event, he, he announces. He has come. He is here. He has risen. You've got Michael, the warring angel. Stands for Israel with power and might. But the worshiping angel, the other one, Lucifer, he fell, and now there's a vacuum. And God didn't replace him with angels. God said, I'll show you what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to redeem and procure your people. Zealous of good works are going to show forth my praises. And they're going to replace Lucifer. And the devil hates that. His whole goal is to shut down the praise and worship in every church. He's done a pretty good job, but he didn't do a good job here. How many of us, we still praise God? We still worship God. Come on. Come on. Give God a thunder salvation. Clap your hands for the king of glory. Lift your voice and shout unto God. Woo, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you praise, three things happen. God is glorified. Everybody say, God is glorified. Everybody say, I am edified. And the devil is terrified. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers, sister, if you want to make Satan shake and shudder and sheer shock, don't make it just a, a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but every day, 24-7, if you will, 595 days out of the year. You need to praise God. I said, you need to praise God all. David said one time, he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll, I'm going to get up early and praise him. He said, early in the morning I will rise and give you. Then he said, well, that's not enough. He said, well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm going to praise him in the night season. And so he talks in the night season, I'm going to praise God. He said, well, that's not enough. Well, I'll tell you what I'm doing. He said, three times a day I'm going to praise God. And so morning, noon, and night, he began to praise God. He thought, well, that's not even enough. He said, I've got a good idea. It's a God idea. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Don't just wait till you hear. But out there, you shout in the devil's teeth and say, God be praised. I give him the glory. Come on, folks, throw your hands up and just begin to praise him. Come on, lift your voice and begin to praise him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. A major revival. There is major praise and worship. And I've talked about these eight things I've noticed here. So I know that this paralyzes and traumatizes the forces of hell. In the name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Everybody say the blood of Jesus. That'll work in your house. Plead the blood of Jesus over your kids and your grandkids. Number three is prayer. Everybody say prayer. And if you really want to kick into a higher gear, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Spirit. You know, I memorized the book of Jude. You know, it's not hard to do that. It's a long, just a long chapter, one chapter. But in that book, it talks about apostasy, heresy, fallacy, apostate, reprobate, degenerate, unregenerate sins of Korah and, and Balaam. And, and, and uh, you know, it just talks about all the, just all the weird stuff that's going to go on in the last hour. And right in the middle of it all, he said, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Your greatest, your heavyweight. I said, you're, I'm talking about the, the heavy equipment, the heavy artillery. I do that more than do anything. I do that all the time. I'm, when God left Pensacola, I wasn't suicidal, but I didn't want to live. I didn't want, I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't going to harm myself. But when they told me they was going to land the shuttle, oh, okay, well, I'll just go back to church. I don't even like church the way men to find it. I'm not going back to church as usual. I don't be an evangelist. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to inflict that on people because that's not my gift. It's your pastor's gift. It's not mine. I could pastor a church in a year. It takes a lot of pastors a long time to pastor a church, but I can, I'm, I'm through within a year. C.M. Ward said, the longer I pastor people, the more I love animals. How many can identify with that one? I didn't want to go back to church. I wanted to die and go to heaven because when you're in the glory, don't take me back to the glory. And don't take that bottle of glory out of my mouth and put a pacifier of religion in my mouth and tell me that's it. 
because I know it ain't it. I'm telling you right now, I know the real deal, and you do too, and I want the real. I said, I've tasted the real, and I'm runt. And I did, so I just prayed to die. But I did it this way. I wasn't suicidal. I just didn't want to live without the presence and the glory. And so I said, Lord, like Simeon of old, let your servant depart in peace. Mine eyes have seen your glory. And God told me this. He said, you haven't seen it yet. It's in front of you. Position yourself. You haven't seen it yet. It's in front of your position. Did you hear what I just said, folks? If you'd have told me that, I told you it's crazy. You just loosen the caboose. Because I'd seen some stuff, and you did too. Five billion people coming to get into a building. It wasn't the preaching or the singing. It was the presence. We'd see, I'd seen in my own ministry, and now God, God says. Then he says, stand up and make this declaration. I will fulfill my destiny. Then he said, don't criticize the men in Pensacola. They've done as well as anybody's done with the major revival. But he said, you haven't seen it yet. It's in front of you. Position yourself. And so for the past 20 years, I have been praying in the Holy Ghost. Praise, worship. I've been laying the presence of God. Right before the pandemic, just a couple months, God said these words, it is time. I said, Deb, it's time. We're ready. Then the pandemic comes. Well, that doesn't mean, oh, God says, sorry, son, I didn't see that coming, so we just have to wait. No, no, how many know he saw it coming? Come on, say amen. If you read the Bible, unless you're in a cave or a coma, you know what's going to happen. There's two revivals in the last day. Hell is going to have a revival. But heaven is going to have a bigger revival. Shout amen, somebody. We're sin about grace that much. Give the Lord a hand of praise. I'm getting excited. And so I live with a constant anticipation that God can change things on a dime. I got excited about coming down here. I set the alarm for six. I was up at four this morning. I could hardly wait to get down here. Your family. I mean, those were family. In some kind of mysterious way, God brought us all together. I don't know of anybody more knowledgeable about revivals than your pastor. And so I just listened to him as he talks about the Cane Ridge and the revivals of bygone days of yesteryear. I don't know of anybody more hungry for revival than your pastor. Me and him and Ralph Casebolt, we're the three amigos. Amen. We're just hungry for a move of God. And that's all we talk about is revival. And so here we are together. And when I was up all, all day, of course, the airport situation, you guys make it comfortable because it's just a, I don't have to go with layovers or anything. I just I go sleep, I'm here. And I wake up, and, but we talking about the service. I said, well, what time you coming? He said, 6 o'clock. So I, I lay down just to take a little shut-eye. I'd overslept if, if I hadn't just, I mean, just at the very last, I woke up, it was 6, he was down there. And I said, I overslept. you got to wait. I'll be down there in a moment. And it reminded me of a story. As a pastor, people used to try to call real early to see if they'd wake up the pastor. And, you know, they'd always say, did I wake you up? And I'd always say, no, I've, I'm up. And I'd jump up right before I got the phone. How I many knows? That's what you do. One time, the phone rang, and I went, <clears throat> hello, 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 clear my throat. They said, you don't have the phone to your ear yet, son. You're, you're not really awake yet. Shut up, amen. But anyway, 
I could have slept through the night, but I woke up just in time to get down here because I realized the most important thing in the world is Holy Ghost Revival. Everybody say Holy Ghost Revival. I wouldn't give you a red cent plug nickel for a Mississippi squirrel revival. I'm not into that. I'm not into manipulation. I'm not into great preaching, great singing. We can all do that. I'm into the presence of God moving. What if this is the time that the core, everybody say the core. There's something about the core. There's something about the core. When God gets ready to do something, he takes away those that are just hangers on. And he brings the core together. Read it in the Bible. He taketh in Peter, James, and John. The greatest miracles, Peter, James, and John. So here we are tonight, the core. He had 12. I said, God, give me 12. That's all I want. There's more than 12 here. What if tonight and tomorrow night, God said, it's your time. You've been faithful. You haven't forsaken me. And he just opens the heavens and the glory rains down and something happens in Garland, Texas that's going to impact the world for the glory of God. Are you ready? For a genuine shout and shine, Holy Ghost revival. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Everybody say the word of God. Now Jesus three times said it is written and demons run over the hill. Everybody say it is written. There's something about the word of God. And I know the emphasis you place on the word of God, but let me bring it down to where, because, you know, if we're not careful, we'll just think corporate worship. You need to mention the name of Jesus where he's not popular. Come on, say amen. Job, at school, out there and work. Just praise Jesus. One day they're playing basketball, and, and all of a sudden I just said, Glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. They looked at me like I dropped out of a tree. I said, if you can curse him, I can bless him. He's my best friend. Come on, say amen, somebody. I'm not talking about hiding behind stained glass windows and little storefront and talking. No, we all love to do that, but what about out there? Now, here's what's happened with us. Right before the breakthrough, when God says it is time, the warfare got so intense, and I thought, Lord, I, what am I going to do? Because everything I was doing is what I'm preaching. It was stirring up demons. How many knows the anointing att attracts attack? And so I was going through some stuff. So I called Brother Kilpatrick. What do you do when the warfare is real intense? Well, he said, I don't talk much. And I took that advice. Don't talk much. Just pray, worship, plead the blood, in the name of Jesus. Praise God, worship God. We had worship mu music going 24-7. Now, we're on 40 acres. Just 15 minutes from where 10 million people come every year. We live right there. And I'm out there. The gates are shut. We're seeking the Lord, positioning ourselves for the greatest move of God we've ever seen. It's going to include, are you ready? It's going to include signs and wonders and a harvest of souls. Shout amen, somebody. It's going to happen simultaneously with all hell breaking loose in the world. Say amen, somebody. Oh, you, you didn't realize that one? Brother Kilpatrick, 9-11 hit. Lord, is revival over? Because travel was interrupted. Travel's never the same, even today. You go through those lines, it's almost impossible or hard to believe what you got to go through. Lord, is revival over? And God said, revival is not over, but in the last days I will send it in conjunction and tandem with the last day events. That means earthquakes, more glory. Pandemic, more glory. Pestilence, wars, rumors of war. 
There's a whole lot of shaking going on. All hell breaks loose and all heaven's coming in. Are you ready for real, genuine Holy Ghost revival? Come on, give God praise. Lift your hands and praise him one more time. Lift your hands and praise him one more time. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit gave me a word, a revelatory rhema word of knowledge. And it was so real, I said, Deb, we have worship music going on 24-7. Now, it's all about atmosphere. It's wonderful to come here. This is really a haven. But if it works here, how many knows it can work in your home? But you've got to purge the atmosphere. Why did Jesus kick everybody out and just take a few with him? Why did he cleanse the temple before he began to perform miracles? Because atmospheres are important. So I said, Deb, now here we are. We've stirred up demons. We know we're close to something because hell is fighting. Hey, that's the, that's the sign you're really close to breakthrough. When things start going wrong and nothing's going right. Now you need to get a hold of this. That's the day you need to shout the shout of faith. You may not feel a thing, but you know you're really bothering the devil because he's bothering you. A man preached a message meeting the devil face to face. At the end of the service, the preacher said, or a man met him and said, Preacher, I've never met the devil face to face. He said, It's hard to meet him face to face when you go in the same direction he's going. Come on, shout amen, somebody. You're meeting him face to face. You're upsetting him. You're bothering him. That's why he's bothering you. I said, Deb, God just gave me a revelatory word. If Jesus said it is written three times, now, what would happen if we had the Word of God going 24-7? So right there in the middle of 40 acres with squirrels and animals, and we got the Word of God going 24-7. And I'm telling you, it became so sacred and so holy that God would pull me out at 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd walk in there, and there's angels all around. I didn't see them, but I felt them, and I knew they were there. The peace of God that flooded that home that we would go to Branson. I don't care what kind of event it was. We couldn't wait to get back on our property because fun does not compare with the joy of the Lord. Say amen, somebody. There's a difference between entertainment and the presence of God. I'm telling you right now, it works. If I say it works, 1,189 chapters, if you will, over 31,000 Verses, over 800,000 words, 66 books of the Bible. I'm telling you, right now, I memorized a lot of it. I wake up in the morning quoting chapters. In the middle of the night, I'm quoting chapters. Angels are flying because they respond to the Word of God. I'm talking. I know you're fed from this pulpit, but what would happen if you would turn the gospel music on and then turn the Word of God on and you got the Word of God going in your house, you got gospel music going in your house, you got the angels flying to the house, Here's what began to happen. We began to invite people out for prayer, and they wouldn't leave. They wouldn't go home. They wanted to stay. They would stay six hours, seven hours. The presence. Everybody say the presence. The glory. It works. Everybody say it works. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what this last move is going to look like. I know it will be signs and wonders. I know it will be the harvest of souls. I know there will be some things happen the last day because... In the last hours, there's going to be an increase and acceleration of the great shaking, the shake-up for a wake-up. Everybody say the shake-up for a wake-up. 
Jesus died not just for a few sticks, but for a great harvest. And God is going to increase the velocity of his power in this last hour to save the lost. And he's going to use people like you that have not let go of it. There's a hand bigger than yours. Reach your hand up and grab a hold of it. Get ready for the ride of your life. I said, get ready for the ride of your life. It's going to be a Holy Ghost revival, signs and wonders and miracles. And by the way, your family's going to be saved. Give God a hand of praise. There's another one that God gave me. Now listen close. These are eight things that make the devil shake and shudder in sheer shock. Everybody say, Satan's worst nightmare scares him. When he sees people praying in the name of Jesus, with the blood of Jesus, praise and worship going on, he sees the word of God going forth 24-7. Something that really makes him shake and shudder in sheer shock. Are you ready? Everybody say unity. Boy, he can't stand that. He wants there to be division because he knows one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. That means three can put 100,000 to flight. That means four can put a million to flight. There are more than four here tonight. There's enough here tonight to blast the devil off his imperial throne. You hear what I'm saying tonight? You get into quad, quantum leap, quad, quadrillion, bazillion, gazillion, but I'm telling you, that scares him. So he works overtime to bring division in the family, in the home. Now, when me and Deb went through this together, this preparing and positioning ourselves, the devil hit our marriage. We found ourselves into it, not even knowing why. Then we look at each other and realize, hey, these are spirits. How many knows John 3.16? You know James 3.16? He says, brother, let me tell you what he says. Just as important. Where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Everybody say, every evil work. That means if you're getting into it, you're debating and you're dividing. You're giving place to demons and every, everybody say every. That's a pretty scary thought, isn't it? That because of your division, you can actually give place to every evil work. man told his wife, why are you so beautiful yet so dumb? She said, I guess God made me beautiful so you'd love me and dumb so I'd love you. How many can identify with that? Driving down the road, the man, the woman hadn't talked in a while. And you could cut the atmosphere that was so thick, just a silence. She was way over there, and he was over here. And he looked at her, and she wouldn't look. He looked out the window. He looked out, and he saw a bunch of, a bunch of donkeys and mules. He said, some of your people? <laughs> she, she said, yeah, by marriage. <laughs> Amen. Come on. <laughs> Come on, women, say amen. <laughs> well, after doing good like a medicine, but I'll tell you right now, if we don't deal, the Bible says endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit, that means try real hard. That means try real hard. A whole chapter. Behold how good and how pleasant 
It is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the ointment upon the head that went down upon the beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. It's like the dew of Hermon and the dew that descend on the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord command the blessing, even life forevermore. Everybody say the commanded blessing. Everybody say the commanded blessing. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all, everybody say all, with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting there, them clubbing tongues like as a fire set upon each other, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, beginning to speak with the tongues. The Spirit of God gave the utterance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God will literally take you through a purging, and he'll take people out that don't need to be there because more than anything, we need to be together. I like to get together and get it together with people that's got it together. He's quickened us together, raised us up together, made us sit together. We're going to rise together and meet the Lord in the air. Listen to what I'm telling you right now. This is a day when we need to stand as a united and anointed front and say Jezebel is gone, Ahab is gone, demons are gone. We are free from those forces now. Let's zero in on the devil. Let's beat him up. Let's chase him out of this city in Jesus' name. Come on, it's our day to decree a harvest. Throw your hands up and begin to praise him. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice and begin to praise him. You're too quiet. Lift your voice and begin to praise him. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You may have to separate from friends that aren't friends. When God takes people from you, don't pursue them. I said, when God takes people from you, don't pursue them. He'll take them out of your relationship because they're holding you down. They're not going to go with you. If you're trying to pick somebody up and they won't let you pick them up, don't let them pull you down. Now, this is serious. I didn't get up at 4 this morning and fly down here just for the stake. I came with a word God gave me about Satan's worst nightmare. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. That unity with the husband and wife is so important. We don't, me and Deb don't fight. That's one thing that's happened during, we just don't fight. You may hear us dis disagreeing for three blocks sometime, but we don't fight. And we do it with a smile on our voice. And we drop a lot of sarcasm. And if it gets real intense, we reach out and we hug each other. Now, when we broke through, we would literally shake as demons tried to divide us. But I'm telling you right now, this is serious. These aren't rubber bullets. There's a world going to hell out there. These are serious times. About 50% of churches have come back. So 50% the proximity there have not come back. I don't think it's necessarily bad news. Maybe they weren't really churches. Maybe it was a big entertainment center. So maybe the purging that is going on is God saying, let me build. Oh, my God, I just saw it. I see the emergence of a glorious church. I, see, I, I said I see the emergence. I see the emergence of a glorious church. 
united, anointed, standing in the name of Jesus, mighty as an army with banners, under the blood of Jesus, going forward in faith with praise and worship and declaring for decree, this is our day. This is our hour. We're not going to, we've backed up as far as we can go. We're going to come out, folks. It's not about the pandemic. It's about Holy Ghost revival hitting this nation, across the nation and around the world. It's revival time. Let it begin in Garland, Texas. Let it begin. That river of life in Jesus' name. This seventh thing is important. When God gave this to me, I'm not just reaching out for words, but he said, you tell the people that there is something that is so powerful. The Bible said it is your victory. Your victory is not buildings, crowds, finances, feelings. But the Bible says, Whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory, even our faith. Everybody say faith. He said only believe. Five times the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk 2 4, Romans 1 17, Corinthians 5 7, Galatians 3 11, Hebrews 10 38. The just shall live by faith. And according to your, not political pull, social status, positions, possessions, but according to your faith, be it unto you. It's a faith the lions couldn't eat, the fire couldn't burn, the sword couldn't kill, the jails couldn't drown, the jails couldn't hold, the water couldn't drown. It survived the catacombs and the Colosseums. And that faith is alive in us where you simply say, I believe God. And you don't give up. God said, tell the people, keep the faith. Everybody say, keep the faith. Everybody say, keep the faith. It's the darkest for the dawn. It's the lowest ebb, the turning of the tide. There's going to be days your feelings will scream. You missed it a million miles. You're wasting your time. There's going to be times people turn against you. It seems like nothing makes sense. But if you believe God, I don't care if you lose everything. How many of you can restore it on a dime? Brother Job, would you come and testify? Brother Job, I lost it all. My wife even said, and I had friends, Bildad and Zophar and Elias and Eliphaz and Elihu. And with names like that, you can't be winners. Come on, say amen. And they all told me you lost it. He said, you know, but I didn't lose it all. I kept my faith. And if you keep your faith, how many of God will give you a double for your trouble? How many knows God can rest? He's a God of restoration. Are you ready for supernatural restoration? One of these days, they're going to say, boy, this has been an overnight success. And Pastor Sandy's going to say, it's been a long night. Come on, say amen, somebody. Because I'm telling you right now, God's up to something. I saw Sandy minister to thousands of people at the Gideon Bible rally. I thought, Wow. The touch of God upon her and upon him and upon you. Why would God bring you to a place where you, all you want him and you honor him? Every one of these things I mentioned, I'm ready for the eighth, but every one of these things I mentioned, you place emphasis on, you honor, and you practice. But I'm going to double dog dare you to do something. Transfer it to your house. Transfer it to your work. The name of Jesus. Greater than the Herods, Hamans, Hitlers, Husseins, heroes, Nero's, Pharaohs. This world shall fall before him, but I dare you and double dare you to Jesus. Plead the blood of Jesus over your family. At work, on the job. Praise him.
turn the worship music on. So someone will let you do that. Go to your room. We got a room in the house we call the Holy of Holies. And there's nothing but 24-7 worship. And then people come in, visitors come in. We may talk to them out here, but that's still on in there. I can go in there any time of the day. It's like you just walk right into heaven. My God, every home a sanctuary. I said every home a sanctuary. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm telling you right now, I live day to day knowing. And the other morning I was awakened with these words, change. Everybody say change. And pastor, I got, I'm right there. You know, when God wakes me up with that, I got papers over there. Deb knows never to throw away papers. If it's scribbling on it, please don't. It's a million-dollar word from God. She don't throw away nothing. But I reached over to get it and start to write, and nothing came. So I put that down and went back to sleep. Brother Kilpatrick said the other morning, he was awakened with these words, change. Now I want you to think about that. Can we go through any more changes than we've been through in the past two years? I mean, the whole world come to a halt. Everything changed except him. I'm a nose. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. But when God said change, I thought, wow. So there's something in front of us. But how many knows? The greater the battle, the greater the victory. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's after you. I've told you seven things that makes the devil shake and shudder and sheer shock. I'll tell you a story, true story. I was your age when they told me in the country church by the side of the road, dark outside. They talked about the preacher that prayed and praised and worshipped, preached the word of God. And everything I'm talking about, he held faithful to. You know what? During that time, it seemingly didn't reach a lot of people, but there was that faithful core. And there was a mean man in that neighborhood, in that country, in that little country hamlet. That man decided that he hated that preacher and hated that church. But they kept praying and kept seeking the Lord. And the meanest man finally came, staggered into church one night and got gloriously saved. And he was so excited. And the preacher had him come up there. And the man said, Preacher, I wanted to kill you. And there was a particular night I was going to kill you. Because I know the path that you take when you walk from the church and you go down through a valley and cross a creek. He said, I was hid behind a tree. And that night I had my knife and I was going to kill you. The preacher, tell me, who was that big man that was walking with you? The preacher said, there was nobody with me that night. And I thought, oh, yes, there was. And oh, yes, there is. How many knows the angel of the Lord encamps around about those that appear? Folks, listen, we may be the army. But the Air Force is with us. Throw your hands up and praise God. I said the Air Force is with us. Woo, glory. Number eight, this makes the devil shake and shudder in sheer shock, gives him a nervous breakdown, coronary. I'm telling you right now, he's hurting for certain. When you place the emphasis upon this, are you ready? Everybody say, 
the presence of God. Everybody said the presence of God. In his presence is fullness of joy. I'm telling you right now, real, genuine, Holy Ghost revival scares him out of his wits. Don't let go. Hold on. Keep the faith. We're close to the next breakthrough. And the next breakthrough, I believe it's going to be a I believe it's going to be a tidal wave of glory, and there'll be no ebb. I think it's going to carry us to the rapture. It's going to be the big one. Everybody say the big one. It's the big one. We're close. We're living in that rapture generation. How many knows? I'll see you here, there, in the air. It's real. I said, this is real. I heard a story about a man from India that went to a church. He said, I'm going to try it. He tried it for two months. But it was a lifeless, dead Mausoleum, museum, mortuary, preacher, no life. But the man tried it for two months. And finally he threw up his hands and said, church isn't for me, and walked away. Later he became a prominent figure in India. In fact, he became a leader. And many people followed him. In fact, multiplied millions. His name was Mahatma Gandhi. When I heard that story for the boy, I thought, what would have happened if Mahatma Gandhi, who felt a leading and a drawing, looking for something, would have walked into River of Life in Garland, Texas? What would have happened if he'd walked into a hotbed of Holy Ghost power? Instead of India being steeped in cultic tradition of demonic forces and Hinduisms and they worship all kinds of thousands of gods, instead of being a citadel of hell where you can smell hell, India could very well be a hotbed of Holy Ghost power. What if? Everybody say, what if? The saddest words for tongue or pen, what might have been? John Dillinger walked into a church as a young man, felt a wooing and a drawing. Ushers looked at him. He was dressed shabbily. He didn't fit in. They escorted him out the door. He later became one of the ten most wanted men by the FBI. What would have happened if John Dellinger would have walked into a hotbed of Holy Ghost power? I'm telling you right now, the most important thing in the whole world is the presence and the power of God. Take this whole world. Lord, withdraw not your presence from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm telling you right now, go after God with all your heart. We're almost there. I said, we're almost there. I believe this trip down here this time, there's an anointing that we're going to stand with you toe-to-toe, neck-to-neck, shoulder-to-shoulder. And we're going to break off the bondages and the powers that the devil has against this whole area. And whatever he has against you and your family, we're coming against it in Jesus' name, and I decree We're not going to beg the devil. We're not going to negotiate with him. We're going to tell him this is our day. This is our hour. He is our heavenly father. We refuse to be the only generation that doesn't have a real revival. I don't want to talk about Azusa anymore. I love talking about Pensacola, but I'm telling you right now, God said you haven't seen it yet. It's in front of you. And then he says, it is time. How many believes it's time? I said, you believe it's time for a release of fresh glory? Give God a thunderous ovation of praise. Come on, clap your hands for the King of glory. When Jesus talked about the last days, here's what he said. 
He said there's going to be an increase of earthquakes, pestilences, wars, rumors of wars, famines. And he said when this happens, there's a cold spell that's going to come on the church. He said, because iniquity abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And he said, many shall be offended. Now listen, and I'm through, but God's not. I'm begging you, and I'm not a beggar. Don't be part of that cold spell. You need to grip the ones of your mind, throw your shoulders back, and say, I've come this far by faith. And I'm going to believe God, and I'm going to stand on the authoritative ability of God's word and declare for a decree. The indestructible, incorruptible, immutable, irrefutable, indisputable. My God, in inerrant word of God, inspired word of God, indispensable, invincible. We're going to see it. We're going to say it. We're going to seize it. And in Jesus' name, this is our hour of power. Would you throw your hands up one more time and just praise him. Lift your voice and praise him. I'm through. I'm through, but God's not. Lift your voice. Lift your voice and praise him. Come on, praise him out loud. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. As I was sitting there a few moments ago, God let me see the uniqueness of this church, different from any other church in that by the time we get to the preaching, you've already repented. You've already prepared your heart. I don't have to talk you into getting the sin out or getting right with God. You've repented. You've interceded. You've partaken communion. You've honored God in all these areas I've talked about. And God says, son, you deliver what I told you to deliver. And then I want you to lay hands on them because they're ready for fresh oil. How many wants fresh oil? Stand to your feet. As you stand to your feet for 30 seconds, as they play worship music, I just want you to lift both of your hands one more time and praise him like these two nights. It's going to be a double head, double barrel anointing that's going to invade your home and you'll never be the same. Just lift your voice and praise him. As God gives you utterance, praise him in the language you never learned that he gives. Praise him in the language you never learned that he gives. Praise him in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just praise him in the Holy Ghost. Praise him in the Glory, 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 glory to God. Father, we worship you. We worship you with both of your hands in the air. Say these words out loud, dear God. He hears that because he hears a whisper. But I want the devil to hear you, and I want you to hear yourself as you shout it. Dear God, I love you. I believe you. I worship you. Right now, I give you everything. I hold back nothing. Forgive me, Father, for all my sins, the bad I've done, the good I haven't done, wrong priorities, Wrong motives, bad attitude, discouragement, depression. Right now, in Jesus' name, I confess, I repent. 
I believe your word. I obey your word. According to your word, you cannot lie. As I pray this prayer, right now, this very moment, all of my sins, all of my sins are under the blood behind your back. In the sea, forgiven, forgotten, forever. I'm your child, ready for heaven, ready for revival, ready to live, ready to die. I am ready. Fill me. Refill me. Tonight belongs to you. I belong to you. Set me free in the mighty name of the mighty Jesus. Now begin to praise him 30 more seconds. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Santa, feel the Holy Ghost. I want you guys to come and stand right here in front of me, would you? I want your little brother. Don't know where he's at. Little, Alex, I want you to come up here. Honey. I want you to come up here and stand. When I realized that they was going to be here, I got excited. I love the children of revival. Jesus, Jesus. There's something more exciting than the Bentonville Grizzlies football team. That's the presence of the Holy Ghost. I want to lay hands on you. I saw your grandma come up and grab you and just love on you. That touched me. That blessed me. She loves you. These, these people here love you. I love you. Good to meet you, hon. I want to pray for you tonight. I believe God's going to impact your life in a powerful way. I want the rest of you that want a fresh touch from God. I just want you, as you move those chairs back, to get somewhere where I can lay hands on you. And I'm believing God for a breakthrough. God gave me a special word tonight and a special word for tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, the service will be a little bit different. But tonight, everybody say, fresh anointing. Everybody say fresh oil, new wine, warm bread. God's going to fill you full and fulfill you. And you'll never be the same in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, I feel the Holy Ghost. Feel the Holy Ghost. I want the rest of you just to get right there behind him where I can come and I'm going to move fast. I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost. Father, we love you, Jesus. I was seven years old when God called me to preach. Age 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. I surrendered my life to Jesus. You're never too young never too old, but it's better at this age to give God everything.
say, Jesus, I just want you to use me for your glory.